Welcome to Between Us Leaders, a place where we talk about leading with wisdom and godly devotion. Last season, we started a series called This Is My Story, and today we're coming back to that. I grew up in church and I loved it when guest speakers came and shared their stories. I found each one so unique and so fascinating. And tonight I think you will be encouraged as my guest, my friend for over two decades, Reverend Tanya Sturm shares her story with us. Tanya has worked in the banking industry for 32 years. She and her husband, Russ Pastor, they are currently at Central Assembly in El Sobrante, and they have two gorgeous college-age daughters. Welcome, Tanya, to Between Us Leaders. Thank you, Miss Terry. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you in the house. Love you. Oh, love you too. So we're just going to let you jump in and share whatever part of your story. As you know, stories are have many, many facets. And so there's no other way in in uh, in 25 minutes or so that we can share your entire story. So with all of our guests, I have just asked them, pick a part of your story that you would like to share with us. So Tanya, go ahead and jump in at whatever location and point of your story you would like to. Okay. Thank you, Terry. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting when you said uh, in the beginning that you always loved hearing guest speakers, um, because that, <clears throat> excuse me, is like one of my favorite things. That's my favorite kind of book um, mm-hmm. to read is a t- somebody telling their story. My absolute favorite kind of book, because we're all so different. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, my story really begins with my family, because that really shaped how I viewed the world. Um, I am the youngest of four and the only girl. And so I grew up with all brothers and that was interesting in and of it, <laughs> in and of itself. Um, big you person. To share bathroom. Uh, yeah. In the beginning we did. And yeah. so uh, we were able to move to a bigger home, but that <laughs> took a little while. Um, so it was interesting. We were all four of us in one bedroom at one point in time. Um, but being the only girl in in a family full of men with big personalities was always uh, very interesting um, and uh, came from a very musical family because my dad, um, he grew up singing in gospel quartet groups. And by the time I came along, um, he had his own gospel quartet group and my brothers, all three of them at one point sang in his gospel quartet group. Uh, but you know, when I got a little older, it was just two, two of the three, because one of the brothers was took more like on my side where he was just not one that was interested in being up front. Um, I also could sing, but I had no intention on ever doing anything publicly where I had to stand up in front of people because um, just the mere thought of that would <laughs> make me sick to my stomach. Um So I was very happy being a cheerleader for my dad and my brothers. And I would go around to the local churches when they would sing. And I just was there to cheer them on and thought it was the coolest thing. And we were raised in church. And when I got to be, I think it was 13, my parents and I, we started attending a weekly Bible study in addition to going to church on Sunday. And at 13, that Bible study teacher, he just made the Bible come alive to me in my little 13 year old mind. And 
I got out my big old honking King James Bible and my orange highlighter. And I started reading on my own. Um, and as much as I could understand of King James, cause I grew up as a, as a Baptist girl and Baptist people, we only, and I, it's probably the same today. I don't know, but in my day, King James was the only official version of the Bible. You could not read anything else. Um, and so I learned, uh, the word of God using King James version and took it very seriously. And by the time I hit 15, um, again, I was just trying to make it my mission in life to be wallpaper and let, and let my brothers, uh, be the out front people. And when I hit 15, I felt like God challenged my thought process uh, a little bit and my strategy and my sister-in-law at the time, she was, uh, one of the choir directors at her church and they were going to have a musical. And one of the groups that was singing was the youth was a youth choir. And she approached me um, and asked if I would be willing to lead the song for the youth choir. And although everything in me wanted to scream, absolutely not. How dare you even think of asking? I honestly at 15 felt like I was supposed to say yes, that God somehow communicated to my heart that I was being disobedient by hiding a gift that he had given me. Wow. And um, so I reluctantly said yes, that I would do this. And so um, the night came for the musical and it was sometime before the service. And we were um, in one of the back rooms there and we were supposed to be practicing and it became evident very quickly that the rest of the teenagers that I was with um, that were from her church, um, they hadn't taken the assignment seriously and they didn't bother to learn the song. So it was kind of like hit or miss. And and she was very much of a perfectionist and she was super frustrated. And me being terrified that I was going to be standing up in front of people. I had learned that song backwards, sideways, up and down, because I thought if I'm going to do this. I can't get up there and like panic and then forget everything. Right. And so because I was the only one that knew the song as a form of punishment, she told the choir that um, they weren't going to have the opportunity to sing. And then she looks at me and says, um, Tanya, you're going to sing the song as a solo since you're the only one that took this <laughs> seriously. And she walks out. And I mean, I literally was like, panicking going, Oh my gosh, I never wanted to be in front of people doing anything, let alone singing the first time publicly, um, in front of church. And I mean, there was some sense of comfort and thinking, okay, at least, you know, I'm going to be with other teenagers and I'm not going to be up there by myself. And, but I got through it. I sang my song. I was terrified, um, terrified to keep my eyes open, terrified to close my eyes. because I was so nervous that I was like, I felt like I was swaying and I was going to fall over, but I did it. And um, I learned a very important lesson that night. And that was that God was going to challenge me to do things. And I needed to learn to just do them afraid because I didn't want to disobey God. And I really did feel like that was something he wanted me to do. And so after that, 
my father, of course, was excited that here's another one of his kids that was singing. And so anytime they had an opportunity to um, be on a program and sing with his group, he would have me come up and open for them. Um, and so I would take my little trembling self up there and I would sing my little solo and then they would come up and, and do their thing. And I did that for a few years um, until I was 18. And I did that get comfortable for you. Oh, gosh, for I still get nervous when I sing. But I will say uh, not just saying anytime I do anything, I can talk one on one all day long. I'll talk your ear off. But I, it used to be where literally I would like get nauseous. I couldn't eat before I sang. I, I really, I would just be like kind of almost in a traumatized state, you know, like I was just so, I would be, you know, trembling, like I was cold. But once I got up, you know, like my mindset was, okay, I just, I wanted to minister. Like that was always my thing is I always wanted God to be glorified, which is why I did it in the first place. So I didn't want like my nervousness to like overshadow the fact that I was up there supposed to be mm. ministering. And so I always tried really hard to like not show how nervous I was, but yeah, I mean, eventually, it, you know, after I had been doing it forever, um, you know, it got to a point where I could eat before I sang, you know, I didn't have to starve myself cause I was so nervous. I thought, you know, um, but that took a while, like years, much longer than I would like to, you know, admit. So that's why I said, really, the theme, I mean, the theme of my life has been just do it afraid, because if I wait to not feel fear, that's just not going to happen. And, and that, you know, goes for ministry as well as even on my job, because I've been challenged a lot to do things that I didn't feel either. I, I knew how to do, or I didn't know I had the skills to do, but I've just been thrown into the deep end of the pool and like, here you go, Tanya. And it's me and God, and I just have to get it done. And that's the way God has always gotten me through. And then once I do it, then I see, oh, you know what? Once, once I'm there, he's anointed me for the task and he yeah. didn't desert me. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't die while I was doing it. Um, and so, and yeah, that really had to um, carry me. But those early days were training for me because every time my dad would call me up, I would just have to be ready. So I always had to have a song ready just because I never exactly knew, you know, when that was going to happen. And so when I got to be 18, I started having this sense of, there was more to God than what I was experiencing, but I didn't know what that more was. I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how to get there. And right around that time, one of my good friends, um, she attended a, a small independent um, Pentecostal church and she invited me to, to attend a Bible study at her church. And so I, I went and that night, the pastor was talking about spiritual gifts and how God wanted to give us spiritual gifts and wanted to give us a prayer language. And all we had to do was ask for it. And me being from a Baptist background, um, you know, I just I didn't know anything about speaking in tongues or spiritual gifts. 
I love church, you know, love, loved God, loved, you know, the, everything that went along with that. But I just didn't understand any of that stuff. That wasn't, that wasn't taught in my church, but I had visited Pentecostal churches over the years and I had heard different things about being baptized in the Holy spirit and, and speaking in tongues. But honestly, the churches I had visited, they were all like, they did super weird stuff. And I just might be like shy and fearful by nature. Like that stuff was like, okay, I want God, but I don't want all that weird stuff. And so when I went to this Bible study that night and she said, God wanted to give us spiritual gifts. He wanted to bless us with our own prayer language. And all I had to do was ask. I was like, I was intrigued by that. And so I worked up my courage because again, I mean, I was 18, but just super shy. I just, that was just who I was. And, um, I worked up my courage to go back with my friend the next week because I was going to ask the pastor to pray for me, even though I didn't really quite understand all that stuff. And so I went the next week, um, but the pastor was sick. And so she wasn't there that night. And so somebody else was teaching Bible study. Well, my friend was like, no way. If you worked up the courage for her to pray for you, I'm going to call her up and see if I can just, you know, take you to her house. (laughs) And so (laughs) she calls up the pastor and she's like, Hey, I have Tanya here. She's ready for you to pray for her. Would you be willing to pray for her if I just bring her by the house? And she said, sure, bring her over. And so that night in the pastor's living room, she laid hands on me and Um, I was slain in the spirit, didn't know what that was. Didn't even know. Honestly, I remember I was standing with my hands. She said, raise your hands. And I stood and raised my hands and I didn't even realize I was on the floor until I felt her kind of lay my head on the floor. And I had a like kind of a moment, like, how did I get on the floor? But like, I didn't even feel myself go down. Um, and then the Lord blessed me with, um, my own prayer language and just baptized me in the spirit. And I was crying and I was thanking God. And I knew in that moment, I get choked up every time I think about it. I I knew in that moment that God was real. And that more that I had been just having this sense that I was like, this is it. This, this is what, this is it. I I, like God knows who I am. It's not just like I go to church and I love church and I love the music and I, but like God met me that night oh. and that was super huge for me because again, being insecure, being shy, the thought that God would. Knows your name. Yes. That he would meet me in such a powerful individual way um, at the pastor's house that night. Um, it was just Like I was hooked immediately. I was like, this is it. This is what I want. I'm going to pursue this with my entire being, whatever that means. And within a very short period of time, and I'm talking like weeks, I made the decision to leave my family church and start attending this church because I thought, okay, this is where I can learn. This is where I can grow. And much to the dismay of my parents, because all of a sudden, all of these changes are happening. And I'm, you know, that just wasn't me. <laughs> you know, I, I was the very timid one. I was, you know, very close to my parents. And so all of a sudden, I'm making all these major life decisions. 
and leaving our family church and, you know, going to the, and my parents are like, what is, what is happening? And what I didn't realize is I had just, for all intents and purposes, I had just joined a cult because Mm -hmm. the pastor was very controlling, very manipulative. And I didn't know any of that. All I knew is I had an encounter with God in her living room. Yeah. That's what I was seeking. And so I started attending the church and right away she started in on, instead of, you know, teaching me about what had just happened and how God met me and what that meant, she started dividing me, causing division between me and my parents. She started saying, okay, now because you're baptized in the Holy spirit, your parents aren't going to understand because you know, they're, that's not their background. And so you're going to have to stand up for yourself because the devil's going to use them. And it was the devil, the devil, the devil's going to use them. And they're going to, and it's the devil using them, trying to come against you and come against your faith, but you've got to be strong and you've got to stand up for yourself. And she started coaching me on basically how to disrespect my parents um, and how to, she made it a issue of faith. And I knew that I wanted God at all costs. And so if this meant, and she would take the scriptures and twist, <laughs> twist them. And I thought, well, if that, if that's what I have to do in order to serve God, then mm-hmm. okay, that's, and so that started this snowball effect of within two years time, because I was in college, my parents were paying for me to get a college education. Um, Are you still living at home? I was still living at home at this time, but things were getting very tense because she would coach me and say, okay, now when you go home, you are going to have to say this, this, and this. And actually that was where the deception came in because I was 18 years old. I, I honestly, I mean, I grew up in church, but I didn't really know the word and I certainly didn't know spiritual things. And so she was able to take the scripture and say, God is showing me when you go home, your parents are going to question you on this, this, and this. Mm. You're to say this, this, and that. So of course, when I would go home, my parents would question me and say, why do you have to be at church until 1130 at night or whatever? Because Mm. I was in college and my parents. So when they would say exactly what she told me they were going to say, I was like, Oh, she really does hear from God. Oh my gosh. She really is. You know, God really speaks to her. And so then it became this again, remember I'm fearful by nature. It became this, I'm afraid to cross her or not do anything, even though there were things that didn't quite make sense to me, or I didn't understand Mm -hmm. why it had to be that way. And so within a couple of years, I moved out of my parents' home a week before Christmas. I uh, dropped out of college because she said Jesus was coming back soon. And so there was no need to have a degree because, Um. and uh, I was living in a bad part of town. Parents didn't even know where I was living because that was also part of my devotion to God is I had to just cut all ties with everybody and just prove that I loved God more than anything and anybody. And I was, very serious about my walk with the Lord, but being very much misled. And honestly, Terry, I think of it a lot of, um, now that I'm older, I look back on it and I go, you know, some, some young ladies choose 
toxic relationships. Like they they get into relationships mm-hmm. with guys because they're insecure and they're not sure. And, and, you know, before they know it, they're, they're in this situation and they don't know how to get out. And mine yeah. wasn't, you know, with a guy, it was, I was trying to find God. Yeah. I was within a, a very, um, dangerous type of situation because I was out there. And that's definitely one of the tools of the enemy is to isolate us. And, um, that's why now that, you know, um, in ministry, I always tell people, if you're struggling, please don't isolate yourself. Please talk to somebody because that's a tool of the enemy is to, to get you isolated and destroy. So if I can, um, ask you a question. So during that time, then, I mean, you're, you're separated from your family. Uh, you're primarily with her. Were there other, other women, other girls in this group guys, or was it, it was a very, I mean, it literally was a handful. The church was just a handful of people. And she used to say, the pastor used to say that her ministry was to young people, um, because older people weren't open. And so, you know, again, now that I'm 53 and not 18, I know that uh, she said her ministry was to young people because we were gullible and didn't know any better and older people would question. Um, So, no, there was she she systematically it was interesting because because our church was so small, um, the, the building where we were renting, we couldn't afford it anymore. And so we would just go around visiting different churches. It was just a group of us. but because she was so abusive, she would start to pick off one person at a time and say, you know what? You have sin in your life. God's moving you. You need to. So she'd kick him out of the church and say, God's going to deal with you. Well, I was the last one. I was the last of the Mohicans that was still hanging in there um, with her because I was supposed to be her special like assistant. Mm. And she then kicked me out of the church. And I'm not that we really had a church left. It was just, we were visiting other churches. And, um, she told me that God was going to move me because I was sinful and that I, um, was evil and that, um, God needed to just deal with me. Well, I was devastated because I thought, okay, that's it. God's forsaken me. That's it. I've used up all my chances, but it turned out to be, that was, God's deliverance for me. So that actually, after we severed ties, um, I went back, there was, there were several churches we had visited all different types, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal. There was an assemblies of God church that we had visited during that time that we were traveling around. And I didn't know anything about assemblies of God, but I knew when it was time for me to go back that, um, I wanted to go back to that Assemblies of God Church because I felt safe there for some reason. Now, let me paint the picture for a second. I'm a 21-year-old young Black girl that's completely lost, completely made, bad decisions, messed up everything, and I'm from an all-Black church. I ended up in an Assemblies of God Church that was just a a small Assemblies of God Church full of little sweet grandmas that did not look like me. They were all like 70 plus, most were in their eighties and they just were the sweetest people and they just loved me. And, um, the, the Lord sent the pastor's son and daughter-in-law, a married couple. They just took to me and they were from Minnesota. 
and just adopted me as their own and loved me back to health. And as God would have it, that little Assemblies of God church is where I met my husband because he was planting a church in Berkeley, started a church by himself. And when I ended up in that Assemblies of God church, it was on my 21st birthday. And I was a complete mess. I went to the altar, sobbed from the depths of my being, just asking God to please do something with my life, not having a clue that that was the place where God would send me Russ Stern, who befriended me at that time. He was there helping out on Sunday nights with the youth group. He was was doing his service in the People's Park in Berkeley uh, during the day. And then at night on Sundays, he would come over to our church. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know him, but he started a, a singles ministry in addition to the youth group. And I went to that first event, which was a bowling night. And we just, I mean, instantly just hit it off and we're bantering back and forth as if we had known each other forever. And that set off a four year friendship with us where eventually I ended up feeling like the Lord was calling me to hit, help him in ministry at, at the church in Berkeley. I ended up uh, singing over there on the worship team and then ultimately went into the, the um, worship leader role. And um, then after four years of friendship, he said, Hey, I think we make a good team. Let's pray about whether we should get married. And five months later, we got married. And that was uh, March made 27 years ago. (laughs) So God knows what he's doing. And um, I never in a million years thought that I would be sitting here today and Assemblies of God minister. I mean, after stumbling into an Assemblies of God church all those years ago, not knowing anything about anything, and now being an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. And on my ordination night, see, I get choked up again. I I cried my eyes out because it was such a full circle moment for me to think that I, God led me to that little Assemblies of God church where those little grannies in that church just loved me. And the pastor's son and his uh, wife just adopted me. And um, I, do I have time to tell just one quick little story? Yeah. Um, okay. The pastor's wife or the pastor's wife, pastor's son and wife years later, like this was just a few years ago, she and I got together for lunch. And she said, I want to tell you the other side of the story, because you always say I saved you that, you know, they loved me back to health. So and this she, is the pastor that you went the, the Assemblies of God church. So this is the Assemblies of God church, the, his, the pastor's son and the son, the son, pastor's son and daughter-in-law. They just adopted me as their own. They would take me to eat after church. They just, they just did above and they actually treated me like I was their daughter. And a few years back, she and I got together and she said, I need to tell you my side of the story. Mm. And she said, "Um, I know you think that relationship was one sided that we just, you know, you got all the benefit. And she said, but really what you don't know is my daughter was just about your age and they were from Minnesota, but they had relocated to California. And I think the daughter may have been in college at the time. But she was brokenhearted because her daughter had walked away from the Lord. And she said, when I saw you in our church, you look so broken and so sad. And she said, I told the Lord, if I pour into this young lady, 
will you send somebody to minister to my daughter in Minnesota? If I love Tanya, will you send somebody to love my daughter the way I will love Tanya? And she said, and we just adopted you and loved you. And years later, she found out that her daughter, the place where she would get her nails done of all places, the manicurist was a believer and started ministering to her daughter who went in there regularly wow. to get her nails done and just became like this mother figure to her. And she said, God answered my prayer. And so she wow. said, okay, it's not all you it's, it's, she said, you filled a void in our lives as well, because her heart was aching for her daughter that was away from the Lord. And she said to see you in our church, it just meant so much to me. And so of course we were crying and she's telling the story. I had no idea. And so I said all that to say that for me, my story just means that God is one who can take broken pieces and put them together in a way, you know, the Bible says that all things work together for our good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. The Lord knew what his plans were. And I thought that I completely ruined my life, but he just kind of took all of that mess and was like, you know what, I'm going to send a Russ Sturm who he's going to help her along her journey. And, and we were friends first and, and I got a chance to just minister alongside him, but be friends and just benefit from his ministry. And then, you know, the, the marriage came and, and, um, God has just blessed me. So, and so, you know, to feel so lost and now to feel like, no, my purpose is to encourage every person I come into contact with that. I don't care what you've done. God can redeem you, yes. can redeem your story. Yes. Sometimes you may have to just do it afraid, but that's okay. I'm a testimony. I'm a living. <laughs> it's okay. You can be scared. Okay. Yeah. Do it anyway. Obedience is what God asks for, not for you to, you know, just not feel any fear. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I started learning recently is, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be courageous if we didn't feel the fear. Right. Right. So, yeah. and that's the times when we rely upon the Holy spirit. Yes. Cause when we're doing it scared or when we're doing it afraid. Yeah. Oh, Tanya, there's so many things that I love about your story. The overwhelming, the arch, I guess the, the, that picture of God, how God takes those pieces and we only see just a small perspective of what is right in front of us. And I can just hear your brokenness of thinking, you know, getting kicked out of a church because you were too sinful, but yet I so admire the fact you had a choice at that moment and you could have walked totally away from the Lord, but there was something in that, that experience that you had with the Lord was just drove you to like, no, this is not done regardless of how, what was said or how you're felt. And, and I thank the Lord for that. That's, that's really admirable of you and just how, how God just orchestrate orchestrates and directs our path is just incredible. Yes. No, I, I, my whole mission from the start was God, I just want to know who you are. I, I just, I just want to know you. And, and yes, I stumbled all around and I made some bad decisions, but ultimately I firmly believe that is why God led me to the Assemblies of God church because 
I just wanted him. I, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't one of those people that, you know, at five years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to be. And mm-hmm. I admire people that are that way. That just wasn't my story. I was just a little shy kid. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know what I was supposed to be doing and certainly didn't want to do anything in front of people, but God apparently has a sense of humor because man, he just keeps <laughs> pushing me out there. And uh, my <laughs> husband, oh man, he will. Well, I will say Tanya that I don't, anybody who knows you doesn't uh, shy and Tanya are two <laughs> words that don't go together. So, <laughs> and there you go. God is real because when people, many people have said that to me, like, I would never picture you as being shy. I'm like, oh my gosh, that, that, that tells you God is real right there. Oh gosh. Well, Tanya, we, I need to wrap this up, unfortunately, but I'm going to ask though, if you would pray, um, specifically for the, those who have, um, children or that are just trying to find their way. Yes. Find their way um, that the Lord's hand is not too short, that he can't reach out to them. And whether he uses a manicurist or whatever, it doesn't really matter. But God, God sees them. So would you pray over them for just about a minute? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are a God who sees us all and you know our situation, you know where we are. And so, Lord, we just ask for those that have lost their way that Lord, you would help them to find you. And it doesn't matter how far they've gone. You are right there, ready to, with open arms to receive them and put those pieces back together again. I pray that anybody that is feeling hopeless or feeling like they've made too many mistakes or they've messed up too many times, that God, you would show them that you are a God of restoration and you can handle it all. There is nothing that is too hard for the Lord. That is what your word says. And so Lord, we give all of our sisters to you and anybody that is uh, grieving for their lost child, I pray, Lord, that those children would come back to you and that you would comfort those mama's hearts that are aching for their lost kids, that you would show them and remind them that you are bigger than anything, any plan that the enemy has for them and that if they just keep seeking you, you can bring them home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again, Tanya, for joining us. And thank you listeners for joining us as well. You know, everyone has a story and I'd encourage you listeners to share yours. Somebody needs to hear it. So until next time, God bless you, my friends. Bye-bye.